A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 202 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I am so excited you are here, and I am really excited to introduce you to today's guests. I don't have that many guests on the show anymore, and that's because my bar is pretty high. I have to feel super, super excited, and like I can't wait for you to get to know my guests and the work they do in the world. And if I don't feel that excitement, then they're just not going to come onto the show. And I am a huge fan of Allison's work. And you may know if you've been listening to the show for a while, and if not, then now you know. I don't really recommend that many personal growth books. I think a lot of them are crap. And I think a lot of them are good, except that they're taught from this perspective of a one size fits all approach. And so if you don't fit into that one size, and you read it, it can kind of make you feel more crappy than you did before. So I'm very skeptical of most personal growth self help books. But I really, really love Allison's book, The Queen's Code. And her book has actually been a huge impact on my own life and specifically with my relationship with Stevie. Now, Allison Armstrong has been researching men for the past 30 years. And her big question that stems her research and also stems the work that she does with her clients and students is this question of what if men aren't misbehaving? Now, I get countless messages from women all the time around their frustration that men aren't emotionally available or wondering where the good men are. And look, you know that I'm really into bringing down the patriarchy. The patriarchy is real. And there are definitely men who are jerks who aren't emotionally available, and who are quite manipulative, abusive, narcissistic, and all of those things. However, if you're attracting emotionally unavailable partners over and over again, at some point, you have to think, okay, is it men? Or is it me? Is it a place from where I'm attracting these people? Perhaps I'm not emotionally available either, because I think in a lot of ways when it comes to relationships, like attracts like. So what if dating was more of a two-way street? And what if you started taking more responsibility for your actions and behaviors towards other people? And that's exactly what my interview with Allison is all about. Now, again, I want to emphasize, this is not about apologizing for men's bad behavior. This is not about 
thinking it was okay or we should get over it if someone was crossing our boundaries or that somehow it was our fault if you were wronged or violated in any way. This is not about that. This is a conversation about personal responsibility when you are going out on a date with someone who seems to be a fairly normal, level-headed human being. So when I recommend Allison's work to my clients, I find that they usually have one of two distinct reactions. It's either, oh my gosh, this is eye-opening and I'm totally guilty of this. How can I shift this? Or it's an immediate defense of their past behavior because of previous negative experiences with men, whether it was exes or brothers or fathers or other men in their lives. And so just notice where you are on the spectrum, neither is right or wrong, good or bad. I just encourage you to get curious with yourself and also radically honest. So as you're listening to my conversation with Allison, I want you to keep some questions in mind. So the first question is, do you make it easy for people to want to be with you? Or going into Allison's question, do you believe that men are misbehaving and you have to police them or you have to make them better or point out their quote unquote bad behavior? Do you treat potential partners like they have to prove their innocence to you? In other words, are they guilty until proven innocent? And if so, how do you think that makes them feel? And how do you think that's going to dictate some of their behavior towards you? Do you look for reasons as to why someone isn't right for you, why they're out to hurt you, why they can't be trusted, why they're a jerk or an otherwise bad person? And do you consciously or unconsciously believe that dating is a battle of the sexes? So I want you to keep these questions in mind as you listen to my interview with Allison. And before we get going, I want to just give you a quick reminder that the early bird ticket prices is expiring for my virtual retreat, Shift Your Dating Patterns in a Weekend. So Shifter Dating Patterns in a Weekend is a brand new virtual retreat I'm hosting where you can join us from the comfort of your own home. When you spend the weekend with me in this retreat experience, I will take you through my signature process to help you uncover your dating patterns and create a plan to heal it so that you can finally get unstuck. By the end of the weekend together, you're going to have tons of clarity. You'll have done massive amounts of healing, and I promise you will see yourself and your love life with a fresh perspective to begin dating again. And my guess is you'll also be picking them way different. So this retreat includes coaching, teaching, meditation, yoga, and even some gifts in the mail from me to help you get the most out of our weekend together. And everything is recorded in case you can't make some of the sessions live. But just a reminder, early bird pricing is ending. So make sure you head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash retreat to save your spot and get the good deal before that pricing goes away. And veronicagrant.com forward slash retreat is also the place where you can learn more about the retreat, including the dates, the schedule of the weekend, and the times everything will be taking place. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash retreat. And I would love to spend the weekend with you and personally support you in your love life. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Allison. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. What fun. I'm so excited to put it together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little, a lot to to get this call with all the fires and everything, but really glad that we're here. And I'm so excited to connect with you. I mean, I'm just going to fangirl it for a second, but I'm a huge fan of your work and your book, The Queen's Code, especially. I just love, love. And I don't recommend that many 
personal development slash self-help books to people a lot because I'm like, uh, I don't know, might do more harm than good. But I always tell my clients about your work. <laughs> I'm like, anything else Thank is you. fine. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate that. So for those listening who don't know who you are, would you mind just introducing yourself? You don't have to give your whole big, long story. You don't have to do one, two. <laughs> who you are and what you do. <laughs> I started studying men in 1991 with the question, what if men are responding to women? Because I I wanted to know why the same man would treat one woman like a sister and another like a barmaid and another like a queen. What the heck? Because I was never (laughs) treated like the queen. And uh, it proved a really good question. What if men are responding to women? Because I found out a lot of ways that men are not responding to women. And since I wasn't out to prove that they were, I could actually see all the times that they're not and that we usually take personally and we should not. And and it, it damages our sense of self, how many things we take personally that have nothing to do with us. And I thought I was only going to study men for a little while because I knew they were shallow and there wasn't much to know about them. And I'm still going at it. And I'm never not. I'm never not studying men. And then it didn't take long for me to be studying women because I'd always try to figure out, well, how come we don't know this about men? Oh, because women do it this way. Women pay attention to this. Women approach it like this. Oh, so the contrast showed up very early. And the good news is by studying men and listening to them talk about women, I actually fell in love with women. I have a much higher opinion of women from what I've learned about women from men and what they observe and cherish about us than I did when I began. And so that's a real gift that they gave me, as well as, you know, my husband of 28 years and my family and getting to pursue my passion all this time of, you know, what is partnership and how do we partner between people who see the world so very differently, not just as genders, but even individuals, right? We don't you and I don't see the world the same way. So how do we partner? Mm-hmm. So that would be probably a short version. Is that short enough? Yeah, that's great. So what I would love to hear is what are some like the big truths that you learned about men? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. One would be, I thought that men either didn't care what I needed or actively withholding it mm-hmm. and like to spite me right? Not true. Not true at all. Men really care about what we need. They care the most about what we most need. They want to have the biggest impact they can in our lives. And like most human beings, they tend to project on to other people what they need. So both men and women decide what other people need, come up with a plan to provide it, and then expect to be appreciated even when what they've decided the person needs is not what they need. And that's where our part comes in. Each of us, men and women, we need to be responsible for having clarity for ourselves about what we need and then representing that as best we can, as accurately as we can, not on a fishing expedition, but committed. We need to commit to what we need from each other before we ask the other person to commit to it. Okay. And most people don't do that. We just go fishing. Okay. Try to get things from people. Got it. So I'm thinking of the person or the woman listening to this and she might be frustrated right now because she's in a kind of sort of relationship and the guy's not really following through or not really showing up. And maybe she feels like she's asking for what she needs. Maybe not. What is she quote unquote doing wrong? I put that in air quotes because I don't like to 
make people think they're doing the right <laughs> things or wrong things. But what would you say to that? Well, we don't know exactly what's going on yet because she hasn't committed to what she needs. So we don't know how he's going to react to it. He could just be in a very gray area. So one of the things that happens is, for example, a woman says, this is really important to me. And then it doesn't happen and she doesn't follow up and she doesn't make clear choices as a result. So that gives him the message that, well, she said it's important to her, but it isn't really important to her. So how do I know it's really important to her? And we actually become what we would call not a trusted source. We actually, because we're incongruent in our own feelings and words and actions, we teach other people to not believe us. So then we don't have an impact anymore in our own life. So if, for example, you're going out with a man and you say, you know, I'd love to see you and I need to be home. I need to be home by 11 because of what I have to do tomorrow. And then it's 11 o'clock and you're not doing anything about being home, right? You're not Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I said I need to be home by now. Take me home now. You're just like going along and wishing he'd remember and he's such a jerk that he didn't or whatever it is that you're thinking or, oh, we're having so much fun. It doesn't matter. He just learned that that thing that you said, it wasn't true. So that's one of the biggest things that both men and women do. Like if a man says he's going to do something and doesn't do it, then his words mean nothing. A woman says, I'm tired, and then she doesn't go to bed, then how she feels doesn't mean anything. So why should I pay attention to it? Why should I organize myself around someone who doesn't organize themselves around it? So I remember, for example, as a bigger example, Veronica, I uh, was talking to a man who said, he says, you know, my girlfriend wants to have children. And I told her I'm never going to have children. It's three years later. Why is she still with me? <laughs> and, I, and I said, because she thinks when you love her more, you'll change your mind. And he, I mean, he looks at me aghast. He goes, but I'm not. <laughs> I said, yes, I know that. But because she doesn't honor her own deal breakers, she thinks you won't honor yours. Because that's what women do. We have a deal breaker. I'm not going to be with a smoker. I'm not going to be with a person who does this. I'm not going to be with a person who does that. And then we go be with that person because we love them, right? Or because the connection is so deep or because the chemistry is so hot. (laughs) So we don't honor our own boundaries. We expect men not to honor theirs. We're shocked when they do. No, I'm really not going to have children ever. I'm really not going to get married ever. I really never will be monogamous. We think when they love us more, they'll be all those things we want. No, it doesn't work that way. But because we contort and dishonor ourselves, we expect men to contort and dishonor themselves. And so the short of it is that we have to provide the model for, this is how you honor me. This is how you respect me. And I'm going to insist that you do that. That, to a man, is hot. That to a man provides certainty. That to a man, you know where you stand. That is a strong woman. Instinctively, he wants to attract the strongest woman he can. (laughs) You asked, what are we doing? (laughs) What are the biggest myths and what are we doing wrong? Yeah. Yeah, men are not intimidated by strong women. Men are intimidated by strong women who are always proving they don't need them. But a strong woman who needs something from him? Sweet. Let me add it. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And, I, and I've heard that a lot from women in this audience because a lot of, I would say a lot of women in this audience can relate to 
feeling like they have it all. They have the job, money, friends, all that stuff, except for this one thing. And then they've been told, or they're maybe afraid, probably because they've been told that they intimidate men, that their success or their personality or their kind of go getedness whatever, you know, that's not really a word, <laughs> um, but that, you know, can intimidate men. And you're saying that's actually not really true. Does this align with what you talk a lot about? You asked this question, you know, throughout your work where you're saying, what if no one's misbehaving? Yes. Okay. Including you. Right. Yeah. You wanted me to talk about that? Sure. What's well, the opposite of how we normally see each other? We have expectations. We think we have things that we think just should happen without us having to do anything about it. And then when someone doesn't do what we've expected them to do or does what we expect them to never do, we think that they're acting up. We think that they know the right thing to do and they're purposely not doing it. And then we are evaluating why, right? Why are they not doing what they should do? And usually the conclusion is either that they're broken, (laughs) right? There's something wrong with them. They're defective. They're damaged. Their mother didn't train them right. We might assign it to their culture or some other objectifier, right? Like they're an engineer or something like that. So we'll either go the their broken route or we'll go with, if this is personal, he doesn't care about me enough or respect me enough or love me enough to do what he should have done. And what if no one's misbehaving is an interruption of that. So what if a man's actions are perfectly correlated to something? And that if you're more curious than condemning of yourself or them, then you might find out what has him do what he does. And you might find out that it may not be your reason, but it's a reason that comes from a good place, that they're a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be nice if they checked it out with you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. This thing I've decided you need and am providing for you, it'd be good if I asked first. But usually men are coming from a desire to protect us or to provide for us, or to make us happy, or to help our dreams come true. Unless we're attacking them, then they're protecting themselves from us. But they usually have a good reason, and they just usually don't have enough information. Because the human instinct to not ask and not tell is, I mean, it's overwhelming most of the time. We don't want to ask a question, because that may reveal a weakness or stupidity on our part, or a expose us in some way, make us vulnerable in some way. We don't want to tell someone what we need because that also exposes us. Both men and women think they should need nothing. And men especially think needing anything is a weakness. They they really think they should be able to do everything in life, I don't know, on fumes or something. And we think, you know, we should be superwomen and never need anything. So, so we don't tell each other what we need. We don't ask each other, so what do you need? What do you want for your birthday? How can I best honor how you celebrate the holy days? We guess. We try to guess and anticipate, and we think guessing and anticipating is is a sign of love. No, it's just an instinct right. to protect ourselves. <laughs> so, And then how does that lead into emasculating men? Ay-yay-yay. Well, of course, if he's misbehaving, I uh, he didn't do the right thing because he's broken. Well, anybody who's broken should really not be empowered. Anybody who, you know, purposely does the wrong thing should definitely not be empowered. And anybody who does something or doesn't do something because they don't respect me, they should be punished. 
They should definitely be punished. They should hear about it. You should hold them to account for that, mm-hmm. which most of the way that we do that is through criticism, right? Mm-hmm. Through criticism and withholding appreciation, accountability, acknowledgement, food, sex, attention. Right? We're very good at withholding, which you know is a very efficient way to punish people because it's a, the absence of doing something. You can save a lot of energy that way. But honestly, there's, I can tell, and, you know, I've been paying attention to this for a really long time. We're afraid of men being empowered. We don't, we don't trust testosterone. We think it's an evil. We think it's the, the source of violence and crankiness and domination and meanness. And it's actually not. Low levels of testosterone will bring all those qualities out in a man, not high levels. And we diminish men on purpose. We we feel safe when they have low levels. Mm-hmm. So we kind of suck it out of them, the vitality out of them. That kind of reminds me of like this whole thing of like the future is female. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, we need both men and women, the masculine and the feminine, you know, but like operating from like their healthy places, not from their deranged or and so I'm this is what I'm hearing you know in a relationship we feel like we need to have the power over them so that we feel safe because of like systems of oppression but the solution then is not to hold on to the power ourselves but to actually rebalance it out is that correct I don't know about correct I don't see the situation the same way that you do okay Masculine and feminine are words that have so much baggage and wrong and rightness in them, I barely use them anymore. Okay. I prefer, even though in the Queen's Code, I was still using masculine and feminine when I wrote the Queen's Code, I see both men and women having the ability to be in a focused, committed, goal-oriented or destination or intention-oriented state that has a profound effect on how we think and process information and perceive and feel and relate to our feelings and communicate or not versus being in an open state, open to connection and possibilities and alternatives, which has it literally you can appear like a different person. And we generally fall in love with men when they're in that open state, open connected state, the get to know you state that he may be on, on a date, for example, and we get really mad at them when they're focused on something other than us, when they're protecting and providing and producing results so they can feed us, for example. We don't like that. We don't like it when they're not paying attention in the way that we want to be paid attention to. So women are equally able to be in that focused state, and in fact, most women spend most of their time in that same state these days, in my observation. And we make ourselves wrong when we're in the more open, connective state and we feel scattered. We feel unproductive, right? We're distracted. And to me, the solution is partnership. The solution is a recognition we're in this together and power isn't limited. In adversarial relationships, power is limited. You fight for it. Someone has more, someone has less. You steal it. You argue over it. In a partnership, like Veronica, if you and I are in any kind of partnership, our partnership is going to have a variable amount of power depending on our you and I empowering each other. 
if you're empowered, our partnership has more power. If I am empowered, our partnership has more power. If I'm empowering you and you're empowering me and I'm empowering you to empower me and you're empowering me to empower you, sky's the limit what we can accomplish. But also the other way, if I'm disempowered, our partnership's disempowered. If I am disempowering myself, you're disempowered, right? Because of our partnership, right? So we actually have to not let each other disempower. Like, how dare you talk to my friend that way? <laughs> right? How dare you be self-deprecating? Do you know what? how much power that costs our partnership when you don't own how great you are? So partnership is a different paradigm. And what I see in our society is we're trying to work things out in a ancient paradigm that's completely insufficient, not only to solving the problems we have, but to having the quality of life we want to have, the depth of love that we want to experience and express, the depth of appreciation that we want to live in, generosity, that happiness we want to have. All the old ways of doing things are never going to get us there because they're all instinct, they're all based in instinct, and they're all just about surviving. And that's all they're going to produce is survival for the individual, for the family, for the tribe. It's so tribal. It's never going to turn out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's why my work is about transforming the way women and men relate to themselves and each other. Because we actually relate to ourselves as objects that can be defined and described. We start with objectifying ourselves. And then we objectify each other. You know, we just want to order the right person, like out of a catalog. Can I just order the right man off Amazon and get everything else there? Shouldn't I just be able to do the filter on the left? You know, that's what we try to do with <laughs> online dating, right? We just want to filter out this product that we want to purchase and have show up, you know, the next day. Right. It all starts with that. Notice, I mean, if, for your audience, if you just want to notice being human, notice how many times you objectify yourself in one day. How many things you call yourself? Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, oh, man, I should have done that so much better. If only I were filling the blank, like a different quality to my object. Our internal dialogue, which often is external, we are our biggest critic, which is one of the things I learned from men. They hate how much we criticize ourselves. They watch us tear ourselves down and it hurts them because they think we're awesome. They literally are in awe of us magical, mystical creatures who are so hard on themselves. Hey there, I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know about a brand new free workshop I've created. It's called the five step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in your love life. So you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. In the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in, the number one reason why successful women specifically struggle in love, and of course, what to do about it, and how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life, and of course, so much more. If you like my style, my philosophy, and how I coach women on the show, you're going to love this workshop. I teach you the why and how behind a lot of what I do while even digging a bit into the science of love so you can begin to see real change in your own love life. It's really all of my best work in one place, and you can access the free workshop right now. You don't have to spend years in therapy or read every damn book in the self-help aisle to dramatically transform your love life. If you feel like you have it all but love, this is 100% for you. So grab your free seat at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And now back to the show. So then how does 
then this cycle work? Like if we have a relationship with ourselves, or we're basically disempowering ourselves and you said that will then disempower the relationship. So is that what then manifests like the emasculating objectifying cycle or does that just simply cut off connection or like what happens then? <laughs> well, it does everything, right? Okay. So if, and this can happen it's not gender specific, but we tend to be really hard on men. So if a man doesn't do what a woman would have done, then he's wrong, right? And he's misbehaving in some way. And he misbehaving because he doesn't feel the right way about me. So one of the things that women tend to pay attention to is if I can get you to feel the right way about me, then you'll act the right way about me. So you didn't do what you should have done for my birthday because you don't love me enough, right? And then we immediately go, what's wrong with me that you don't love me enough? And then we describe ourselves as an object. So I'm an object that is too assertive, too intelligent, too sensual, too sexual, too smart, too commanding, too demanding, or I'm, you know, too adaptive, too wimpy, too nice, to giving, right? Whatever it is, we describe ourselves like we are an object, like we have fixed qualities that can be described. Too much of something, not enough of something. And that that's why he doesn't feel the right way about me, which would have him act the right way about me. Most of the time, the entire thing that we're thinking is not accurate. If you told it to him and we do tell it to them and they look at us like we're crazy because that's not at all what's happening over there. It's not factual. Mm-hmm. But we're sure it is. Right. And we're going to, like, you know, stomp on that button until he admits that he doesn't love me because I've gained 10 pounds. He doesn't love me. And you're like, we're just like, we're going to prove it. Right. And meanwhile, they're going to be punished because he should love me enough no matter what I weigh or no matter what I do for a living or no matter how much I'm gone. or no, You know, we want unconditional everything no matter what we're doing. But I didn't use the word relationship, by the way. Relationships are based in expectations. That's all you got. Partnership in specific. If we're in a partnership, our power is shared and it flows and it can grow and it can shrink. Mm-hmm. That's not how relationships work. And so what are just some like, I'm just curious to hear like some common examples of ways that women unknowingly emasculate men or just make them feel small when we you know, and we think they're misbehaving, but, you know, I know like comparing men to like having children or being like another child, like I know that's a common way, but I'm just curious, like, I just, I would just love for you to just, you know, reflect (laughs) so that women listen like, oh crap, I've done that before. Just so we can begin to become aware. Yeah. Okay. I have to say something first because I've been interacting with men a lot about this lately. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, I am passionate about women laying down the sword right? Not justifying, diminishing, and punishing men. And the truth is, no woman can make a man feel small. She can do things that he can interpret in ways and feel attacked by it and agree to be diminished. But the real truth is, we have to agree to be diminished. We have to invest in someone else's criticism of us or opinion of us or disparaging remark or rolled eyes, we have to buy it. We have to get on board for it. And so a lot of my work these days is teaching men 
Don't allow yourself to be emasculated. I'm working on the other side for women to stop emasculating you, but you work on your side. Quit emasculating yourself. And the same for women, right? When we're asking the what's wrong with me question, we're diminishing ourselves. So I just I just have to say that, like an yeah. in truth, in actuality, right? But meanwhile, when people don't know that, if you want to stop having the men around you be less than they can be, then, for example, stop ignoring them. It's a classic thing that women do. We walk by men and we don't make any eye contact. If we do, we're not going to like smile or nod or acknowledge them. Part of it is out of fear that any kind of acknowledgement will incite unwanted behavior because we we don't know how to set boundaries. We don't know we can. We don't know how easy it is. But we literally walk by men every day, like in the office, as if their presence is not worth acknowledging, as if they don't matter. Yeah. And men want to matter, and they want to matter to us, and they'll really go out of their way to matter to us if we let them and appreciate them for it. So just ignoring them. I mean, if, if a woman wanted to change her life, just instead of looking down as you walk by, just look up. And if he meets your eyes, just smile and just keep walking. And if he misinterprets it as some kind of invitation for something, you don't say, I'm sorry, you misinterpreted that. I was just acknowledging your presence. You're another human being. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, we just, we need both. We need acknowledgement and we need boundaries. And we don't acknowledge because we don't have boundaries. I just want to point that's so funny because I used to do that all the time to ignore guys that I had a crush on because I thought, oh, I'll ignore them and then they'll want to be with me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. Right. Instead of thinking, oh, she doesn't think I'm good enough for her, I'll pay attention to this other girl. <laughs> right? Yeah, because they, they worry about, are we out of their league? Yeah. Right? So when they admire us, when they like, whoa, she's amazing, but is she out of my league and does she think she's out of my league? because if she's out of my league, might as well be. He's not going to act on it. If he thinks that you think you're out of her, you know, his league, then eh, who would want to chase that? Or now he's got to prove it, which then he's going to take you down. I am better than you. It's all ugly dynamics. But to answer your question, ignoring is one. Mothering you already pointed out. And I would say withholding appreciation is one of the biggest ones. Like one man said, why do I get 100 points or zero? Why don't I ever get 80? Mm. Why can't I be appreciated for what I did do instead of all I'm hearing about is what I didn't do? That's one of the worst ones. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, and everybody, women too. Women are, well, let me say it differently. Women criticize men to change them because criticism changes women. And we, you know, we think he's just a hairy woman. So we don't know that men move from success to success. So when they succeed at something, that makes them want to attempt something bigger. And when they succeed at that, then they want to attempt something bigger. So they win at dating you, right? They keep being able to give you what you need and make you happy and you keep appreciating it. Then they think, you know, if they're ready for a relationship, their life's set up for it. Oh, I want to be in a relationship with her. I don't want this to stop. And then they're in a relationship and they keep succeeding at it. Well, I want this to go on forever. We should make us permanent. Women don't know that. They think if they criticize how he is in dating, he's going to try harder. (laughs) They criticize him as a boyfriend, then he's going to try harder. They criticize him as a husband, he's going to try harder. No, the opposite happens. Yeah. Do you ever get any pushback 
from women, you know, for what? All the time. Only for the last 28 years. Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, January will be the 25th anniversary. Originally, it was called Celebrating Men's Essay and Women. But I started men in 1991, and they started shocking the heck out of me within the first six months. And then I started teaching women what I was learning, and I've gotten pushback from the very beginning. I was talking to one of my students in Australia yesterday, where she lives, in Sydney, just the idea that men and women are not the same is offensive. So the pushback just starts there. We are the same. Really? You have undescended testicles. You don't think that affects your life. Really? (laughs) The amount of estrogen you have running through your brain, you know, your body and what that does to your brain, the fact that men have 15 to 30 times more of the fuel that lets you work all day and all night, you don't think that affects you? Yeah, I mean, it's just the biological unrealism is fascinating to me, but but I've gotten that. I've also gotten, there's a woman who describes my work as I'm the woman who asks women to give up their power. She thinks giving up emasculating men is giving up power, and she publicly emasculates her husband. And not a happy marriage, not a happy man, but she's sure she's right. And, you know, it has been for 25 years. So that kind of gets, gets to another question that I had. Is, yeah. How do you know the difference between a man who has just been emasculated by women, whether in a romantic situation or not, versus a man who truly is just like not in a place to be in a partnership? Well, interesting question. Well, I would say a man who has been emasculated a lot and let that happen and maybe is a victim of it is also not in a place <laughs> to be in a partnership. <laughs> I, guess, I guess like the question is like, how do you know when someone's just been emasculated versus like when someone just really is maybe just not a kind person <laughs> or not someone you want to be in a relationship with, but sometimes that can project as the same, right? Well, Veronica, the problem is the question is oversimplistic. Okay. Most human beings on the planet are not available for partnership. They don't even know what it is. They know the word, but they don't know what it means to be on the same team. They don't know what it means to empower, right? To give power to someone in a way that doesn't take any from you. They don't know what it means to be truly accountable or to entrust accountability. They have a hard time even being present. They're mostly numb and distracted and use relationships to be numb and distracted. So, and I just, I just named five of 14 elements of partnership. <laughs> so most people aren't available for partnership and they don't know, even know what the word means. And they just use it to describe the thing that they want to have attached to them, the girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. And I, I wish I hadn't learned this the hard way in the last few months. My laboratory, besides thousands of people, my laboratory that I I got to pay attention every day, all day long, what does it take to be in partnership, was with Greg. So for 28 years, he was my main lab rat, and he passed away five months ago. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly, and so I'm finding out how lucky I was for 28 years, how blessed, how hard we worked at what we do. And I've met men lately who want to be in relationship with me and it never occurs to them to ask me. (laughs) 
like recently a man decided I'm the woman of his dreams. I'd given him a note saying, I may never want to be in a relationship ever again because I know what it takes. But he still decided I'm the woman of his dreams, and he thought he, he could will me into being the woman of his dreams. <laughs> this is not a bad man. This is a normal person. So I know you want the answer to your question. If a man has been emasculated, and he's still alive and breathing and has potential to connect in a profound way, he will respond very quickly to not being emasculated. Like, he will step in to your space, to the space of a woman who is appreciative and admiring and listening to what's important to him and giving him a chance to talk, right? All those things that we teach in the Queen's Code and in Understanding Men. If he has a chance of being what you're talking about, he will respond very quickly to how you're being different than ordinary women. Does that mean he could be a partner? There's so much more to find out, but at least that, I mean, that means that he's not committed to being a victim, that he's not committed to being disempowered, that he hasn't become impossibly self-emasculating, which so many men have become. I'm trying to help you out, <laughs> give you a small answer to a huge question. Yeah, yeah. It, am I helping at all? Oh yeah. I love this. This makes a lot of sense. I think, I mean, I, I know pretty much everyone, I don't know about everyone, but a lot of people listening to this will definitely at least be reading your book or checking out your work, because obviously this is just like very much scratching the surface and to like really get into all this stuff obviously takes a lot more time than we have. So <laughs> we have a hundred hours of online curriculum now. <laughs> yeah. A hundred. <laughs> and that's the formal curriculum. That's not the other like 100 hours or whatever it is of recordings and products that are going on sale for Black Friday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Um, There's a lot, because I've been going at it since 1991. I've never stopped, and I learned in my sleep even. So, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Yeah, massive, I mean, the work has, right? has definitely influenced me, and, like, I can definitely sometimes get into that space where I'm criticizing my husband for you didn't lock the front door after you walked the dog at night or whatever, but instead it's like, thank you for walking the dog (laughs) instead of always pointing out the little things. And I catch myself now and I think our relationship has greatly benefited from it. And it doesn't mean you have to give up any other part. Honey, thank you so much for walking the dog. The only thing that would have made it more perfect is if you locked the door afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Could you do that for me? Is there anything you need to be able to do that for me? Because then I feel safe. Yeah. And I'm a nicer person when I feel safe. Oh, okay. And then he locks the door and you notice the door's locked. And instead of like, oh, finally he locked the door. Honey, you locked the door. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was worth doing. <laughs> That's how you get the trash taken out too. <laughs> it's so true. Like whenever I like consciously, I'm going to, you know, be really appreciative and and like tell him how it feels when he makes dinner or does something else really nice. Like he just kind of like just walks around his chest a little puffed up a little bit more. And he's like he's really <laughs> proud of himself. Like he's just so happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, your points mean more to him than anybody's in the whole world. Literally to score points with you, you're it. You're his wife. He chose you. Yeah. One of your points is worth like a hundred of somebody else. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom. And where can everyone listening come find you, learn more, connect with you, all that kind of good stuff? Understandman.com, our website, all our programs and products. My new live event is there. Understandman is our Facebook page, all kinds of stuff doing there. Lots of stuff on YouTube. Be careful, you can use up a week of me on YouTube. (laughs) But I love that you love the Queen's Code. And I think you know Keys of the Kingdom is the prequel to the Queen's Code. Mm -hmm. And they're both fiction. And I think we learn better when we're not in the hot seat. I think we learn better through somebody else's lessons. And I really love watching Kimberly and Jack. I think they're an excellent example of what we were talking about how much men are attracted to strength, but repelled by a woman who doesn't need them for anything and because uh, they need to be needed, right? So watching the interaction between those two characters, I, I think is, is priceless and a lot what we were getting at today, you know, how two people could be, be about each other when they're not competing for power. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, Thank you so much for your work and for everyone listening, all of the links that Allison just mentioned will be in the show notes, which you can grab at veronicagrant.com forward slash episode 202, or I'm pretty sure they're in the episode notes of wherever you're listening to this podcast. So again, thank you so much, Allison. This was so great. I so appreciate your time and your wisdom and for setting men for the past, I guess, almost... <laughs> Thank you. We're getting close. We're getting close to 30 years. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. I I appreciate your questions, how sophisticated your questions were, because I got to express things talking to you tonight that I haven't got to express before. So that was a gift to me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I take a lot of pride in making sure I ask good questions and you know, I try to do my research. So hopefully that I'm not just asking the same questions every other podcast you've been on. (laughs) (laughs) You did really well. Honest. (laughs) Honest. Like, yes. Yeah, you're right. I do experience it a lot and I did it tonight and I bless you for it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.